Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to talk about the Red Yeti membership program, which we launched in the last six months. On this program, members can gain access to discounts of up to 50% off 70 plus startups in the outdoor space. In the last month alone, we've added 10 startups to the platform, and it doesn't look like we're slowing down anytime soon. Our goal is to have hundreds of startups on this platform so that members can go on and discover new brands that really align with their values and take advantage of all the discounts that are offered. In addition, members can apply to become ambassadors for these startups, all from one location. You fill out one form and then you just check which startups you'd like to have it sent to. We also are offering and showcasing all of the brand's new products that they're working on, showcasing prototypes and things like that, so you can really be kept up to date on everything new and unique that they're offering. We also are going to be doing some collaboration with these brands, showcasing some unique limited edition product that's only offered to Ready Yeti members. And lastly, we have a private Facebook group for all active members so that you guys can get to know each other, communicate, hang out, um, and really uh, get to know each other and help us build this movement in the outdoor space. So if you want to check this out, you can head over to readyyeti.com slash members and enter the code Yeti Podcast to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host on today's episode. I'm sitting down with the founder of Grastics, Andrew Beckler. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Of course, Josh. Thanks for having me. Without a doubt. So, uh, Grastics, obviously, uh, from the name, uh, someone can guess that it has to do uh, with uh, wooden poles of some kind, right? So, uh, Grastics, uh-huh. you guys make bamboo ski poles and stand-up paddleboard um, paddles. Now, how, how in the world did you get into uh, this kind of a business? Um, well, it started, you know, really just with the, the ski poles. I wasn't initially dead set on using bamboo, but as, you know, a longtime skier, I've been a ski instructor um, for about six years, you know, so familiar with the industry and everything and, and what people are looking for. Um, and what it comes down to is that people just don't really get excited about ski poles that much. You know, when you sit down on the chairlift uh, with the person next to you, you're going to talk about your boots, you're going to talk about your sweet new skis and your brand new shiny goggles and even your coat and your pants. But ski poles don't usually come up in that conversation. So that is kind of the opportunity that I saw there in turning ski poles into into something that people could get excited about. And with some a little bit of research into different products, different materials, you know, I was looking for something that uh that was going to be eco friendly that I didn't have to heavily manufacture. Um, bamboo just just stood out as really the best option for for both being eco friendly. You know, it's grown grown from the ground instead of mined from the earth like aluminum or, or manufactured like carbon fiber. And it performs just as well as a, as a high-quality carbon fiber pole, if not better. So just with a little bit of research and, and testing out, Bamboo made made the most sense to to create a ski pole that people could get excited about. So it all started there. That's interesting. Now, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit more about your background and, and your upbringing and sort of what led you to then starting Grass Sticks. Yeah, um, I think most of it has to do with my passion for outdoor sports um 
graduated college in 2010 with a physics degree and a degree in civil engineering as well. And I didn't go down that path at all. Um, graduated about two days later, I was in Southeast Alaska as a sea kayaking guide, which I did for a few summers. I became a ski instructor in steamboat that following winter. Uh, I've been a bartender. I've been a raft guide. And, um, you know, now I just spend most of my free time whitewater kayaking and, and, and skiing in the wintertime. So, you know, it's really just my passion for outdoor sports and the drive to, to do something on my own within that industry. Um, and when I, you know, saw the, saw the gap there that there was with ski poles that needed to be filled, I, I took that opportunity and, and we're still continuing on that path today. Not a bad lifestyle. Now, what made you settle down on Steamboat Springs, Colorado? I know you're originally from PA. Yeah, so grew up in Pennsylvania, went to college in Pennsylvania. My brother is two years younger than me, but he moved out to Steamboat Springs one winter before I did. And I just, I followed him there. Uh, when I was in my last year, I did five years of school since I did the double major. So when I was in my last year of college, I had a student season pass to Steamboat and was fully enrolled at, on the other side of the country in Pennsylvania. Um, so I went out there for all my winter break, a uh, good amount of my spring break. I think I took an extra week or two off of class. Um, which probably wasn't the best idea, but it all worked out. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I came out here to Steamboat and really just fell in love with the town. I've been to some other ski towns, and I, you know, knew that I wanted to go skiing all winter long, but Steamboat kind of took the cake. Uh, I had some friends in the Vail area, which is a, a great mountain and an amazing place as well, but really just fell in love with Steamboat. Um, it did end up being a great decision. It's an excellent place to start a business. There's a ton of other outdoor companies there. A couple of big ones are Smart Wool. Um, big Agnes Tents, uh, and, and a lot of other smaller companies too. So just an incredible amount of resources and a great local local market to start a business in. Definitely. I'd, I'd love to uh, pick your brain a little bit more about Steamboat. I, I've actually never been to Steamboat, and uh, it's funny, as an avid skier as well, You like whenever I start talking to someone about all the places or my favorite places to go skiing, it's like you sort of realize – all the places that you still haven't been yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though you think in your mind, like, yeah, I've been to a lot of places. And then like, there's like, they mentioned, you know, one, two, three different places. You're like, crap, you know, I haven't skied any of those places yet. Um, so I, I'd love to know what, why you think or what about Steamboat as opposed to Vail or, or Jackson Hole or um, living in Salt Lake or, or the Tahoe Valley. What about it really, uh, really captured you? Yeah, well, I guess there's, you know, there's two different kind of sectors to that. There's the town and loving the town. And then, you know, I'm moving somewhere to ski mostly. So you also have to love the mountain too. Um, compared to a lot of the other bigger resorts in Colorado, most of them are smacked in along I-70 and they just get a lot of traffic. Uh, they're, they're great towns, great places to live. But if you go out on the weekends, you're going to sit in a lift line. Um, you're going to see a crazy amount of traffic in town. Uh, and Steamboat's just a little more secluded. It's a pretty big town. We grow to about 20,000 people, I believe. Don't quote me on that in the wintertime. And so it does get busier. But just because, you know, we're about three hours away from Denver, we are about two hours away from all the Summit County resorts. It's, it's, it is pretty secluded. So we don't get that busy. And it, it just kind of has a, a different feel to it. I think it helps it be a little more of of a real town. You know, there are a lot of other businesses there that have nothing to do with the ski resort. Um, there's a whole community there that doesn't even go to the mountain. 
Um, so it just has a little more of everything going on aside from just just a ski resort, which which I like a lot, and it's good for business as well. So. Yeah, I totally get that. The feeling of Vale is very resorty. It's like everything's sort of it there is. because of Vale and the resorts near it, like like Beaver Creek or or whatever. Um, okay, so pivoting back to uh, grass sticks, I'd love to. Um, ask you specifically, like obviously you have an engineering background or you uh, went to school for engineering. Um, so that some of that can apply to, I guess, the manufacturing aspect uh, of it. But what was it like prototyping um, grass sticks into um, the product that you offer now from that first version that you took out on the hill? Um, it was It was an adventure. We broke a lot of bamboo. We broke a lot of parts. <laughs> We had a lot of things just fall apart, you know, because we weren't assembling it the right way. Um, so, I mean, it was it was almost a full season until we until we got it right. And then even then, you know, there's always things that that we can continue to improve upon. Um, but it was fun. We just we got to go skiing. Uh, I was still a full time ski instructor that first winter when we were trying things out. And, um, you know, so I, I was working with the, the product I was using. If I, if I broke something or did something wrong, I went home, I fixed it that night and I went out to work the next day with it. Um, so not only was I able to test everything out and work while I'm free skiing, which is, which is the true test because you're actually smashed into trees and tumbling down mobile fields <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I had a great community of other skiers around me with all the other ski instructors that I know there. Um, so really just got poles to, to everyone that I could. People I knew were going to beat them up and, and really test them out, and we and we went skiing. So it was just a, a long process of that. We went through about four different species of bamboo, some different suppliers until we found the one that we're with right now, which we are incredibly happy with. Um, went through a couple different parts suppliers and types and, you know, giving feedback to our manufacturers who make our plastics. Um, so, you know, just a lot of back and forth and fortunately also a lot of skiing too, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely. Now, is there anything in that, uh, process that sort of, uh, I guess shocked you in like, I guess learning, like just some aspect of it where like, wow, that's, I never expected this as a result of trying to build these, these poles. Yeah. I think it's honestly how strong and durable they became. Uh, when I first started out, uh, I guess, you know, in regards to the bamboo, uh, when I first started out, I had a piece of bamboo that costs a dollar 30 cents. Um, our, our bamboo costs a lot more than that now. And it's also really, really incredible stuff. Uh, so it, it kind of continued to surprise me just how much you could actually put it through, how much I could crash without, without breaking a pair of poles. Um, it's not to say that they don't break, you know, it is a ski pole, so they are designed to be lightweight. And if you crash hard enough and land the right way, you can, you can snap it, but it's going to be right up there with like a, a heavy duty carbon fiber pole just because it can bend and flex with you when you crash instead of just snap or kink like aluminum poles. Um, I've always had, you know, before grass sticks, I always had just your kind of bare bones aluminum poles. And I used to go through about three of them every season. And I'm still on my, uh, aside from the prototype ones, I'm still on my first pair of, of grass sticks. So it's, uh, it's really kind of blown me away just how long they can last and, and the quality bamboo that we ended up finding. Yeah, it's you know, quality products. It's uh, trumps. <laughs> it trumps all. Um, yeah. So uh, along this journey, did you have any mentors that really helped guide you either on the manufacturing side or really just in the business in general? Yeah, the manufacturing side was mostly 
mostly just us. You know, there aren't too many people out there that that do what we do. Um, you know, it was a lot of talking to people about, uh, you know, the, the glues that we're using and just talking to, you know, people, people that we're buying things from, talking to our bamboo supplier and just, you know, getting little tidbits there about recommendations. For instance, you know, we call up, called up our epoxy manufacturer and they gave us some tips on how to, how to best use that and, you know, the right way to sand things and do things like flame treatment of plastics before you apply epoxy, you know, things I would have never known unless we really dug deep into every little aspect of it and, and talked to all these people. Um, so that, that did help with the product as we continued, you know, just kind of piece things together. And then on the business side of things, uh, Steamboat, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of other businesses here, a lot of outdoor businesses, and we have a local business mentor in town. There's always people at all these other companies that we can just reach out to and grab a beer and, and talk business whenever we have a question about things. So, uh, you know, like most people in the entrepreneurship world, you hear a lot about the importance of having mentors and things like that. And all the people in Steamboat have been just absolutely incredible to us. So we, we can't do it without without the help of others on the business side of things, too. Strong community is so important. Um, I want to I ask, how many of you are on, on the team right now with Grass Sticks? Uh, so it is three of us in the winter. Um, we've got myself, which I kind of spread myself all over all sorts of areas right now. Um, we've got a production manager and we have an events manager and we all do all sorts of other stuff aside from that, but it is three of us full time in the winter. And then I just went full time myself this past summer when we released our paddleboard paddle. Uh, so now I am full time year round. Well, congratulations. It's definitely a, it's a wonderful feeling to be like, to, to know that you can be fully supported by the business that you've been working on for a super long time. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, quitting the, the bartending gig in the summer was kind of like a whole nother leap of faith, you know, almost felt like I was starting a whole new company, but yeah, it's, it's pretty freeing at the same time. Now, at any point, did you ever feel like you, um, or, or has anyone in your life, whether family or friends been like, Hey, but why the hell aren't you taking advantage of your engineering degree? Um, I had maybe a little pushback from, from family for, you know, a few months at the most. Uh, but as soon as they realized that I was doing what I wanted to be doing, um, and then especially once I started up grass sticks and we saw that kind of moving in the right direction and, and being successful, they, you know, they couldn't be happier for me. Um, so like most people, when you go to college and, and spend a lot of money on degrees and, and don't touch them, you know, there's, there's some pushback and shock there, but, uh, in the end doing what I want to be doing and, and being happy with that. Um, everyone's pretty happy about it now. That's great. Um, now let's talk a little bit about the growth of grass sticks. You just this past summer went full time. So what, what has the growth looked like from the beginning? Yeah. So the first season, uh, we probably sold about 200 to 300 pairs of you know, final finished product polls. We did a lot of prototyping where we just sold to friends. And, you know, as, as we changed things, upgraded things, we gave new polls. So, you know, they helped us out. They bought polls, which uh, we needed just to kind of keep us going. And then we just replaced them all as, as we updated things that first year. Um, the second year, we did around 500. Last season, we did about 1,000. And we're projecting um, around 1,500 for this winter. Uh, but we are starting to see, you know, every every year is growing a little differently. It's such a new company that as, you know, we start to kind of break into the industry, it's 
those numbers can be all over the place. So we are right on the edge of, of the big time sales season right here going into this winter. So yeah, just looking forward to see what happens. That's so exciting. Now, um, I want to ask, what, what would you attribute the uh, consistent growth to over the years? I think there's two things to that. Having, having a good solid product that, that people are excited about, I think, is the biggest. Uh, we, we have a product that people love, and we try to treat our customers you know, the, the best way that we can. We answer the phone as much as possible. We'll help people out you know, in picking their length, even in picking what color they want. So I think it's really important to not only have the product people are excited about, but, you know, turn those customers into, into people that also love your company too. And in turn, they just, they tell other people, um, you know, as you know, the skiing community is super tight. Everyone knows everybody. And it's, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, kind of good energies going on in the community there. Um, so people talk to each other and, and the word just kind of gets out naturally. So Word of mouth, you can't beat it. Building that quality product and then just sort of letting people do the marketing for you is, uh, it's sort of amazing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you see yeah, it happens, you're, you're like, wait a minute, like, uh, this many people have heard of us or are buying from us. It's yeah. sort of crazy. <laughs> it is. Um, we notice that a lot, like at our demo tents and stuff, you know, we travel around all winter and do a lot of, uh, brew and build events at different breweries. And we just set up the demo tent at ski mountains. We're probably the only ski pole company to set up a demo tent i think but um yeah you see it you know people just come up to the tent and we noticed that last year you know that was our, our second full season of sales and we were like oh man like 15 20 percent of people already know about us so that it was kind of came of a shock at first um so like i said just getting into the season looking forward to just seeing how that changes all over again so but yeah it's uh it's cool to watch it grow definitely now i, I want to pivot to ask you a little bit more about the manufacturing process um do you guys do it in house or how, how have you structured that? We do. Yeah. We build everything in house. We are not manufacturing our plastics and we are not growing the bamboo. Our bamboo comes out of Calcutta, India. That's where, that's where the good stuff is. Um, and our parts come from Europe. Uh, as we grow, we hope to manufacture and design our own parts. But as you know, that takes a quite a bit of, of capital to actually, you know, get your mold and, and things like that. But we, we couldn't be happier with the products um, and the part that we're using. And then, so after we buy those parts and the bamboo, we sand all the bamboo in house, we coat everything, we assemble everything, gluing tips on all the, all the building is done in our steamboat spring shop. That's awesome. So how much time would you say you spend between the actual assembling and putting together the product as opposed to the rest of the business? Yeah. So this winter and this past winter where this is the first time that I really, you know, passed off a lot of work to my two employees. Uh, so they definitely spend much more time than I do in the shop these days. But when we're busy, we're all in there. Um, you know, I'd say when I have them working, which is just in the winter right now, I'm probably 20% of my time actually building now. Uh, but, you know, in the, in the summer when I'm the only one here, I'm at least half my time actually building the product. So it's, uh, it's important to have other people to help you out so that you can work on, on other things. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, now in, in the whole process of manufacturing, how have you gone about, um, trying to do it in the most sustainable way possible? Yeah, right now it's kind of just a case by case basis. You know, we have the, the advantage that we're using natural products, you know, things that are very low energy to, to manufacture in the first place, which is great. 
I'd say the the biggest burden is that it's got to be shipped from India. Aside from that, it's a it's a just a grown plant that grows in the forest. And in India, just as you go logging here, you get a, a permit from the Forest Service. They do the same thing there. They're just getting a permit from their uh, forest agency and going out and and cutting down the bamboo. Um, the nice part about bamboo when compared to trees is that it just grows incredibly fast. We're using you know just a small piece, a five foot piece that we get for the ski poles. But that comes off of a 30 to 40 foot piece of bamboo. And that only takes about three to five years at the most to fully mature. So it's just a, a pretty incredible material that can grow that fast, but still be that, that useful and strong. Uh, so we do have that going for us. And aside from that, we just do everything we can in the shop to stay clean, you know, reduce our waste, recycle things when we can, and um, you know, just kind of watch how we're operating there. Yeah, no, it's so interesting the things you kind of learn when you go through the process. Like um, with bamboo, I'm sure you are now an expert <laughs> in all things bamboo. <laughs> Much more than I ever thought I would be. Yeah. yeah, it's like sort of random. Like it's like the stuff you probably know that like you just never thought you would. Um, if you asked me four years ago that I would know, you know, more than two facts about bamboo, I would have thought you're crazy. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> not one of those things I saw myself falling into, but it happened. It's crazy how it happens, but it's uh, life's a funny thing. Um, okay, so a- along this journey, what would you say have been some of the hardest parts about um, starting and, and building um, grass sticks? Uh, I think a lot of the hard parts just come from you know, the ups and downs of, of running your own business. Uh, obviously, when you're starting out, there's not cash flowing out of the heavens. You're not spending money the way I used to. You know, I used to be a bartender and a ski instructor. And when you've been doing that for a couple of years, they can become kind of lucrative. So it, it was a bit of a change, you know, going back to being as broke as I was in college again, um, and starting up the business, but obviously there's a lot of rewards to that too. Um, so, you know, the biggest challenge just comes to the generalities of, you know, being cheap, saving money, spending money, learning how to be in debt, which can be a good thing sometimes. Um, and then just, you know, the extra stresses that can come along with, actually having to make all your own decisions and, and run the business and, and worry about your employees and things like that. Um, on the flip side, all those things are benefits as well. It's great to make your own decisions. It's great to have people working for you um, that, that want to work for you and, and things like that. So uh, there's ups and downs to all it. Yeah, I know the feeling. Um, now, along the process, did you, did you raise any capital for, for grass sticks or was it all bootstrapped? Uh, I'll bootstrap to start out. We will probably be going and getting a bank loan this season as long as we grow like we're expecting to. Um, as you know, the ski industry is very, very seasonal. All of our sales happen within about three months. So having the paddles to balance that out is really nice. But you know, as long as we're growing, we're going to have to borrow money to, to stock up on inventory for next season. So. Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting concept. And a lot of people, I guess, obviously outside of the, um, starting your own business, especially one that deals with inventory and then a seasonal one, um, with the whole loan, did you, did, was there a learning curve with like fully understanding how, um, how that works and what sort of the best deal is so that you're not um, essentially missing out on um, basically extra cash as a result of it? Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's still a learning process, you know, balancing, you know, the right amount to take out, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, if it's a three-year loan, making sure there's penalties for paying things back early. Because, you know, for us, as long as things go as planned, we're going to take out that money to buy our inventory. 
and that's going to happen in the springtime. But our sales season is going to happen at Christmas, and we're going to do about 70% of our sales by mid-January. So by that time, it, it should be all paid back as long as as long as things go as planned. Um, so yeah, it's a, it was a huge learning process. I've never taken out a big loan before like that. Um, so it's a, every time we go back and, and revisit our finances and how we're going to approach things, it's a it's definitely a learning process to make sure we're doing it right. Yeah, I, I kind of it's something that I've been more recently um, exposed to, and um, it's almost like you think it should be taught, <laughs> like in school or like just yes, <laughs> you know what I mean, like basic stuff. Like I, I'm very fortunate because my my dad has a lot of experience with that, so like I'm trying, I'm currently going through the process of like trying to better understand that for for our business. And he's talking about it like it's like, you know, this easy stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, back up, pause, <laughs> like explain that yeah. piece again. You know what I mean? Like, but if for someone who doesn't have that, I honestly I have no idea how they would do it, especially going to the bank. You might, you could potentially get taken advantage of just because obviously they want to make money or whatever. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting um, piece to building your business that I just, and most people I feel have no experience with and can, you can cause, a, it could cause a lot of problems down the road if you do it wrong. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it causing problems. I think we're, we're on the right path so far, but I'm, I'm kind of lucky with the people I have to, to talk to and ask questions to and work with. Um, our production manager who's been uh, with me since, you know, he started helping out full time just the second year that we went into it. Um, he's the, you know, the, the official CFO, I guess, he went to school for finance, so he does, you know, leaps and bounds of knowledge ahead of me than I do. But he's kind of in the same position, you know. He, he went to school for it, but he didn't work in that industry at all. Um, so he's kind of doing a lot of relearning again too. So you know, even as we're we're sitting down and doing our QuickBooks, I'm asking about everything because I'm I'm pretty detail oriented. I have to kind of know what's going on the whole time. You know, if I don't understand something, that's not okay. So I'm I'm constantly just asking them over and over again. You know, same thing. Like, what is that again? Can you explain that to me again? Because I I, you don't right. learn that getting physics degree, you know. You don't you don't touch on any of it. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's good to have people to lean on. I just you know I make sure that I that I ask everyone questions and that I, I follow through on everything before I I make a decision, which is sometimes an annoying thing because I look into things too much, but uh, it helps out. Crosses my T's, dots my eyes. Yeah, I'm the same way. Totally, I know the feeling. I feel I get like frustrated and like almost mad if I don't have my mind wrapped around a certain like something. Whether in any aspect of my business, it'll, it'll definitely frustrate me. Um, okay, so what would you say is one of your greatest fears, and how do you manage it in regards to uh, grass sticks? Um, are you, like fears in regards to like running a business, things like that, or just fears in life? <laughs> I guess either, um, whichever is more prevalent. Yeah. Um, I think in general, like commitment is kind of a hard thing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in a relationship or you're starting a business, uh, it's definitely hard to, to put your foot down and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Um, right before I started Grastics, all within like the same two weeks, I, you know, I, I've been living in steamboat for, uh, I think it was five years then. And I was just ready for a change. I love the town of Steamboat, but I just wanted to go do something new. Uh, so I got a ski instructor job in Telluride. The mountain there is absolutely incredible. It's, it's in my opinion, the best you know mountain for skiing in Colorado. I like Steamboat for other reasons too, but yeah, compared to Telluride, it gets a little flat. So I was all ready to go to Telluride, had a ski instructing job, found a house, which was an impossible thing to do in that little town. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was actually a reasonable rent too, actually in town that I could afford with the ski instructing job. So I was all set, ready to move to Telluride. And then about a week after I, um, I didn't commit to the lease, but you know, I, he was just waiting for me to sign it. I decided to do the grass sticks instead. So, you know, overcoming that hump, overcoming that fear of, of committing to something, you know, it's, uh, you can't just try starting a business out for a couple of years, especially not something like this. You know, it has to be, it has to be grown. It's not like we can just open our doors and, and then close it in two years and be okay. It's a, it's a very slow starting thing, breaking into the ski industry and, and building your customers trust and building skiers trust. Um, so it's a, it's a commitment and it's scary, but it, you know, looking down the road, as long as things are moving in the right direction, which they are, it just helps me live the lifestyle that I want to as well. So, um, I guess that's how, that's how that fits into the business world or mine anyway. Yeah. It's a journey. It's definitely a journey. It can be scary at times without a doubt. Um, now what have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made, uh, since you started? Hmm. This is always, always the tough one because you don't want to make mistakes. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things was, uh, that first winter when we, you know, started things out, like I mentioned before, we sold poles to people and we did a pretty good job at, at containing, you know, just making sure we we're selling to friends and friends of friends, things like that. Um, but I can't, you know, stress enough, you know, it would have been so much more helpful if we just grew that much slower. Um, if we had like a, a whole nother season to continue to test things out and things like that. Um, cause when things do go wrong and they always will, especially when you're, when you're prototyping and, and building a product, you have to go ahead and fix it. So, you know, if I had, if I had another year, another winter of prototyping under me, uh, before that first one, just to really, really take things slow, uh, I think I would have done it. It ended up working out fine. I think it was good to kind of get ahead of the curve. And like I said, we did just restrict things to friends and, and friends of friends. So no one got too mad when, when things went wrong or anything like that. But um, I can't I can't stress enough how important it is to, to grow slowly, especially in the early stages, so you can just contain contain things when they go wrong. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of the balance between um, you need to get the feedback from people, but at the same time, you don't want to release a product that's not – that you're not proud of, right? Um, yeah, so it's absolutely. like finding that balance in between. We're like, okay, it's restricted to people I know, where it's like a clear understanding of like, hey, this is very early stage. We're still working out everything. Um, so it may break. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, you know, along those lines, like most people are okay with it, but you get a couple people like uh, that maybe just don't understand what you were doing at that time and they kind of get pissed off. And, um, you know, you might lose them as a customer for the whole time, but in the end, you got to go through those, those motions, I guess. Um, but man, I guess if that's our biggest mistake, I think we're, we're kind of lucky so far, knock on wood that nothing, nothing catastrophic has happened to us yet. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, what, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in, uh, the outdoor industry or really just a business in general? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice that I, I received from some of our mentors was just be confident, be overly confident. Uh, when you're talking to people, sound sound more confident about things than, than you actually may be. Um, you know, it's important to, you know, for an example, instead of we, we hope to change the ski industry by doing this, we are changing the ski industry. Um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, just simple, simple word choice there that can make you 
uh, sound a lot better when you're talking to people about what you're trying to do. And in turn, it kind of just falls back into the way you feel about it as well. Um, so to, to keep your confidence high, even when things may not be going great, is super important. Uh, because, you know, like I said, when when you may get down the dumps about something not going right or, or being incredibly broke because you're starting a business, you know, if you, if you got the confidence there to back it up and, and the excitement about what you're doing in your product, it's, it's incredibly helpful and goes miles. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Um, it's, uh, it's such a hard thing to keep that confidence up all the time because it, it, it really is it's so many highs and so many lows <laughs> you know uh and and because it's your baby it's like you have that like deep emotional connection to it where like if something isn't working out it can like really affect you or at least it, it definitely happens to me so like really trying to keep that positive mindset and be really confident i think is, is really important yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more like you said the the connection that you have to it is you know, like you said, it's it's like your baby. It's like a, a living thing that you, you care about more than you ever thought you might. So, yeah, it's important to just keep yourself in check that way. It's crazy how that happens. Um, wh- where do you see grass sticks going in the next year, five years, ten years, if you thought about it? Um, yeah, I have thought about it, and I can kind of see it going, going a few different ways. Um, obviously, we just released that sup paddle last summer, so I really hope for that to grow. The way that stand-up paddleboarding is growing right now, uh, we kind of launched it at a very early stage of, of that industry versus in the skiing industry, you know, that's been around forever. Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's kind of harder to break into, if you know what I mean. So since we released that product at the, at the early stages of the industry, I think it's got the possibilities to, to become bigger for us than the ski poles are. So, um, I want to see that grow a lot. I obviously want to see our roots grow within the ski market as well. Uh, and it's certainly heading in that direction right now. Um, aside from that, hopefully we can, we can launch some more products in the future, some more paddles. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. But right now we're just going to focus on growing the the ski poles and the paddles as well. Definitely. Now in terms of, of, of your success, obviously you've, you've been around for a few years now. You've, you've had, um, a pretty good amount of success now being able to go full time and build this business into, um, a pretty substantial um, entity in, in the outdoor space. Now, I want to ask you, how much do you think it has to do with your, your success? How much it has to do with um, luck and really skill in getting to where you are now? Yeah, um, you know, like I, like I kind of talked about before, I think the product is a huge part of it, just having that there to back it up, uh, a product that people are just naturally excited about. Um, as far as luck goes, I think we definitely, you know, we set ourselves up to be in a good place. But kind of relating back to your question before about, you know, what what are some of your your biggest mistakes that you've had? Um, you know, I can't think of anything too huge. So that can be that can be setting yourself up for success, but it can also just be plain luck. Um, you know, things have been things have been happening for us. We're in Steamboat Springs, and I think that really helps things just snowball because of that that great local market that we have, uh, the great connections and the resources that we have. Um, kind of our first big boost was winning the local entrepreneurship business plan competition that the local college puts on in conjunction with the city. Um, we took first place in that and, uh, you know, obviously it's not all luck to do something like that, but it, uh, it certainly helps, you know, having, having things like that fall in place that just gains us publicity. It got us a grant from the town. Um, 
So, you know, things things have been certainly falling into place, and I think it's a, a bit of a combination of the two. But, um, you know, setting yourself up for it, you know, like being in Steamboat Springs and uh, knowing a bit about the ski industry to begin with is all helps out as well. It's nice when all the pieces come together. Um, what would you say is one of the best parts about running grass sticks? Uh, I think it's great that I get to, you know, continue to do what I want. I went from skiing about a hundred days a year. And obviously a lot of those were ski instructing days in the hill and I'm still skiing about 70. So it's awesome that I can still make that happen when we go to demo weekends, uh, which is most weekends we're at rather base of a mountain. Uh, we make sure we at least bring two people so we can, we can split up and someone can go skiing while someone else is sitting under the tent. Um, so it's, it's just great to be working in the industry that I, that I play in as well. It really goes together well. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> um, the more days I can get on the snow, the better. <laughs> yep, and you can call it all work. You know, I, can, I answer the phone while I'm while I'm skiing. I got my my helmet wired up, which I mean takes a little bit away from the skiing, I guess. But I can I can do it all at the same time. I can talk to someone about what color they should get for their girlfriend while I'm you know sitting at the top of the lift line. So <laughs> that's awesome. Multitasking <laughs> priorities as well. Um, Okay, so um, I really like the, it was really great um, story. I think um, uh, hearing from the beginning, from obviously uh, the idea of just wanting to be outside and in the outdoors as much as possible, and then obviously to where you are now, it's uh, it's a very interesting story, and I can hear how passionate you are and how excited you get about um, being able to do what you're doing. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate you for. Uh, taking the time to uh, share your story. Um, but for the listener that wants to keep tabs on, on you and Grass Sticks and really follow along with what you guys do uh, in the future, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, best thing to do is follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, uh, or shoot us an email and we can sign you up for our mailing list as well, which is about the only way that we'll you know kind of send out special discounts and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just check us out on Facebook. If you're ever in the area, we are booked every single weekend somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, mostly in Colorado. So check out our events page on Facebook. Come say hi. Uh, we're doing a ton of brewing build events this winter, which I'm really excited about. It means we get to drink beer and build ski poles all at the same time. Um, so come out, grab a beer with us, say hello. And um, yeah, we look forward to, to meeting anyone who's interested in helping people out. Definitely. That sounds like an awesome combo. And we'll, we'll have a link uh, to all of that in the show notes. So any of the listeners uh, want to check that out, they can. Um, and one final note, uh, we're actually going to be teaming up with uh, Grass Sticks and a number of other brands, including Sego Skis, um, to do a big giveaway starting on November 21st uh, through December 26th. So if you're listening between then, head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to uh, to win a pair of uh, Grass Sticks. And with that, Andrew, uh, thanks again. I really appreciate you sharing the story, uh, and it really was a blast chatting with you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for having me on. Wish you uh, the best of luck with your stuff, and we will touch up soon. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.